This week's episode of Upzones would be brought to you by Microsoft, T-Mobile, Google, heck, maybe even Amazon, if only they'd actually paid me to do it. No, instead, this week's episode is brought to you by Horizon Books. That's right, Horizon Books, serving Seattle's book-loving community for 48 years with one of the best collections of used books in the region. Check out Horizon Books today and mention Upzones at the register for a 10% discount. This week's sponsor is Horizon Books, and this is Upzones. You have to elect yourself, Davey. Things are changing. Things are changing. You can't say it, but you know it's true. You elect yourself. Things are changing. You elect yourself. You elect yourself. Hola, amigos. Happy Monday. Welcome to Up the Zones. This week's episode was a really fun one for me. I actually had two folks on that I've known prior to the interview, friends of mine. They allowed me to discuss in no particular order the joys of early HTML. That's right. Frames, web rings, geocities, uh, uh, to eat my wife's lovely dumpling soup, which she prepared while I was interviewing my second guest, Doug Abbott, whom you've heard before. I know you have the risk paradox, and also the mind-numbing sameness of book publishers in the early 2000s. Yeah, that's right. We went there. And uh, Depeche Mode, stuff you really don't get to discuss too much on an urbanization podcast about Seattle. Good past week, right? I mean, we uh, you sort of get distracted by the federal stuff, don't you? Which is, there's some good news. You know, we got um, uh, some of the insanity, uh, and I don't use the term lightly, that has marred and, and dictated our federal politics is maybe will be kept in check. We'll see. And it, uh, actually, the further along the week goes, the more it seems like uh, some of the late-breaking elections uh, went sort of for the good guys, too. Um, but here in Seattle, it was kind of disappointing on some levels, right? We lost on 1631. We lost on 1639. We did get 940 for uh, police accountability and training. I think that's going to be really, really important to the community going forward. Um, but you, know, you keep going. And I do think that we'll, we'll find a way to get some sort of carbon legislation on the books soon. I think with the majorities we have in the state legislature now, uh, on the democratic side, I shouldn't say we, but just on the democratic side, at least there's some interest in doing something. So that's exciting. My guests, Greg B or Greg Brissendine, as his birth certificate says, is a fabulous poet, playwright, and corporate worker drone B for Amazon's book publishing unit. And really what we talked about was how you mix those parts of your personality. I think it's one of the most compelling uh, po- points of discussion I've had in a long time because it's part of me. You know, I'm, I'm a corporate drone by day and a show host by evening, and I've done the poetry thing too, and had some success there. And it's it's hard sometimes just to be in both communities because where the hell are, are you going to put your, your center of gravity sometimes? Yeah, he's just a fabulous artist and a fabulous playwright and a fabulous person and human. So I really enjoyed being with him for about an hour. I hope you will too. And of course, Doug Abbott, you know him. You've heard of him. You've heard his crazy takes. Um, we're going to be having some soup sessions this year where he and I eat some soup and Talk about world problems. Hope you enjoy.
so thanks for coming on. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is going to be nice to see you. Yeah. It's been a long time. How was this summer? How was what? How was this summer? You did the Poetry Slam, the National Poetry Slam. Summer was good. NPS was okay. Uh, The summer was good. I I took a year off of playwriting to work on other projects. And then I I ended up being in a play for much of the summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I ended up going to NPS for much of the summer. So I didn't get quite the other project work done that I was hoping to do. But... um, but those were really cool things to do both, yeah. right? It was, you know, embarrassment of riches. Who gets to go to the National Poetry Slam? Not many people. Not many people, yeah. And to have now gone and competed twice is uh, is pretty dope, in my opinion. Yeah. So the truth is, though, I wasn't invested in it in the way I needed to be. I, I was see. also in a play. I was also trying to write another, I'm trying to write another book. I am writing another book. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it didn't get the energy and attention it probably needed so you or had, deserved. you had a summer where you were kind of jack of all trades, yeah. master of none. Yeah. Yeah, um, right. and I don't yet have the right, if there is a right balance of this job that I have and my creative yeah. outlets. Yeah, because you're like me. I mean, we're we're kind of corporate drones by day, but we do the stuff we do at night, and it is. Yeah. Um, but how many people? So many people are struggling with that, right? Yeah, of In course. This world. I mean, and it's of course. it's one of the main. It's one of the. You know, I like my job, my day job. I love my job. Yeah. yeah. And it's okay to to be this, yeah. you know, guy who sits at a desk and does some math and more than that, more than okay. It's yeah. interesting and challenging and That's real right. and That's all right. of those things. I love my job and I love all the jobs that I've had. Um, and I also love my creative efforts, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's hard to balance them. But and then there's a social piece and social. You know, I don't mean to say your friends. Your friends understand you. Your close ones. Yeah. But there's this weird kind of thing where in the corporate world. You're the weird art guy. Oh, yeah. The poet guy, in my case, or the, <laughs> the podcast guy. And yes. and it's just, it's not nobody, I don't actually think anybody in corporate America has ever, like, looked down at me. I'm using air quotes. But it's just a, an alien experience. It's an alien experience, yeah. And then you flip it, and a lot of the artists kind of don't trust you because you're a corporate stooge. Yep. There it is. You It's been my life for a long, long time. A long time. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I've been that person for a long time. So yeah, really I'm weird. a... Uh... I'm an oddity at work, which is super fun. And I, I work in an area where we are in direct support of people who create creative content. Yeah. So so that helps. Yeah. If I was in a different part of uh, Amazon, it might be really different where people are like, oh, I don't understand that at all. Right. Whereas, you know, now I'm sort of like, yeah, I do the same thing that our customers do. And so that's relevant and people get it. Right. But it's still a bit of an oddity. That's actually a super cool way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. It was one of the big draws for me to this role is... You know, I work in a department entirely in support of independent publishers. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Like, you could write a book and publish it on Amazon, and mm-hmm. my my and my team's job is to make that an easy experience for you, right. and then to help you make money right. by selling that book. Right. So, right. doesn't love that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a cool ass job. It is pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean, I, we we talk enough on this show about the the macro Amazon issue, mm-hmm. which is an issue no matter what side you're on. It's any number of issues. It's not it's an right. issue. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a host of them. It's a choir of mm-hmm. issues, yeah. Um, but there's the micro stories of, of individuals who are doing that and then, you know, going to it's always true. Yeah. check out of work and go, you know, world, you know, or state champion kickboxers or whatever sure. it is. Yeah. yeah, every Well, and also just the people who are creating value that they believe is sort of real value in the world yeah for for whatever reason right yeah. so yeah. i gotta admit enabling people to publish you know i, I was i listened overheard you know, not 
accidentally, but I sat next to a customer service agent in South Africa mm. last week mm -hmm. who was speaking to uh, a woman who was helping her husband at 78 write and publish his memoir. Get out so, of here. Yeah, this is real. This happens every single day. So he he doesn't hear well enough to be on the phone, so she's on the phone on his behalf, and we're literally walking through helping her format the manuscript so that it wow. will print because he wants his kids and his grandkids to have his memoir. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's some This Is Us shit. It is some This Is Us shit. <laughs> that's and interestingly, as, when, as you would imagine, the the people who are making tons of money as, as writers, they're not the ones calling customer service for help. It's the 78-year-old guy in his basement yeah. who needs help. So... You know, yeah, for all the other issues around any large corporation, including exactly. Amazon, yeah. there's yeah. also people who do work like this because yeah. they find it rewarding, yeah. and I'm one of them. Where'd you grow up? South Florida, Miami. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hopping town. It's a hopping It is. It, it, I should clarify, my version of Miami was not hopping. So so I, I didn't actually grow up in, my, in Miami. Um, today, my, the city limits of Miami have been now incorporate, in, now include the county. So Miami it's, is now it's one in the it's same. Miami Dade yeah. now, right? Got so it. Dade yeah. County. I lived in unincorporated Dade County, which was yep. the open space between the city of Miami and the Florida Keys. You grew up on like a just real super rural or like a farm Sur or? suburbs. Oh, yeah, gotcha. suburbs. But but the I think the Seattle equivalent would probably be maybe Kent. Yeah, Kent or Issaquah or something. Uh, not Issaquah. No. Issaquah very much a bedroom community. People are are you know nobody. I, I never went to downtown Miami. I was I we moved to Miami when I was four years old. I didn't see downtown Miami until I went to work there at the age of nineteen. Wow! Like ever? Why would you go there? Yeah, you know. So yeah. Yeah. And then I lived in North Carolina. So I lived there for twenty years, and then North Carolina after that for a minute. Okay. And you've been you've been active in the arts the whole time. No, that's no. not true. That's not true at all. So um, I'm, I'm lying to my listeners. You're right lying now. to your listeners right now. Active in the arts. So in two thousand four, well. In 1999, I started writing a um, an online advice column called "The Bitter Single Guys Relationship Advice." Yep. It did not to occur to me that that was art, right? Yeah. It was there was some specific reasons I did it. It was all about fun, right? But it but I wasn't aware of of building a writing craft. Yeah. And then in 2004, I went to my first poetry slam and saw a bunch of poets on stage. No, you're here by that point. Yeah, yeah, I got here in 94. Okay. So from 94 to 2004, uh, I went to graduate school and I worked. I didn't do any, I had no, okay. sort of, and I, I waited so, tables. Yeah, okay, that's a, I, I did, that's a miss on my part. Yeah. So, yeah, I did want to talk about Bitter Single Guy. So yeah. that's, uh, you know, you are sort of out in front of that, I think, in terms of online. Oh, yeah. Of, I mean, no. there was, I guess you had Dan Savage yeah. here, too. But Well, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I had some correspondence with him in the early days, <laughs> which is sort of funny. Uh, I, I literally wrote him an email in the, in the early days of email. <laughs> Hi, I'm, all, I'm also in Seattle. I'm also an advice columnist. I think you should mentor me. Just, <laughs> why not? Okay, Ask for it, not? right? Yeah. He was like, uh, I cannot do that. Yeah. I have a relatively new child and uh -huh. uh, and a career I'm trying to build and good luck to you. And that was, you know, the end of my, my experience with, with Dan Savage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the more you know, I didn't start the relationship advice column so I could be like Dan Savage or, or right. anyone else like him. Right. I started it because I wanted to learn how to make a website. Uh. And I, I learned that HTML was a, I'm not a coder by any long stretch, yeah. but I learned that HTML was achievable. Oh yeah. So I bought a copy of HTML for dummies nice. and I began like creating a website. I thought, well what should it be? And uh, this was in '99, so flying toasters were still real. Yeah. Right? In and the, 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 the feel. Less known but 
when I find someone who knows about it, it blows their mind. The stampeding moose. Yes. Do you remember the moose? Vaguely. The I gift, never used the moose. The moose. That, you yes. Know, I do. Yeah. <laughs> that was my. That's gonna always. That's GeoCities. Remember? Yes. GeoCities. Geo yep. Oh my God. Well, GeoCities. The other one that nobody ever knows is um, uh, what were they called? Web Web rings. Web rings. Web Yahoo web rings. had a thing called Web rings. So so Web rings <laughs> were so weird. So. Uh, once I launched, the, so I launched the website. So I, I was like, I'm going to have, I, I had two degrees in psychology and I was, whatever I was doing, some corporate job. So I'm going to give advice to people, right? Yeah. It's just what everyone who studies psychology wants to do, but isn't allowed to do is actually say, you're making a mistake, right? Yeah. So I'm going to give real advice to people, but I thought, uh, it's got to be fun for me, right? So then it's going to be humorous. What would be humorous would be advice from somebody who was both bitter and single. So the bitter single guys <laughs> relationship advice. So I launched the website. You know, and I, it was all about learning HTML, and I did. And then, I, so I wrote, made the whole thing, and then I took it all apart, and I built it again in frames, back when frames were a thing. I remember frames. Yep, frames happened. And then you make the border yes. transparent. Yes. So that it seems like so one So it looks like one page. thing, but in fact, you can position things. And that was really fun. I, I learned that, and then I got so pissed when cascading style sheets came out. Oh, see, I gave up before that. Because I was like, what the fuck? I yes. just learned frames. It's <laughs> frames. Well, I completely <laughs> took it out of frames because I thought, I don't like this at all. So I, I remember literally oh, a weekend where I stopped and started over. So uh, I think GeoCities may have hosted my website for a minute. I forget who the early host. Mindspring. My Mindspring. early hosting was Mindspring. Nice. So found Yahoo WebRings. So you could sign up. You could post your website on Yahoo Web, WebRings. And what it would do is it would identify other websites that were like like yours. And so then users could get would go to the bottom of my website. They would read whatever I was doing. At the bottom, it would you could click right or left, and literally you could cycle through other sites that were, that like, were yours. like yours. This is how I got traffic. So I, you know, there's banner advertising was was just beginning to be a thing, right. but it was a lot of big flashing things, and I didn't have any money. So uh, WebRings was what got me traffic from places that I wouldn't otherwise have gotten traffic. So people would go to I put. Theoretically, Miss Manners or Dan Savage, assuming they were even in Yahoo WebRings, and they yeah. would click right, and they would get to my site. So my traffic, I was able to track traffic, was just sort of like plodding along right. with my friends. My friends yeah. were on my website, and I. Sounds and like then, me. Boing! It, yeah, sounds like you, exactly. <laughs> and then it sprang up, Yeah. and it had everything to do with Yahoo WebRings. And then they did away with them, but, but by then I had a, I had a readership. They, their second product was called Nuva Rings. So yeah, yeah, this was a whole exactly, different... Yes, yeah. Also didn't work out for yeah. them, so yeah, sad but true. Um, so yeah, so that, that got me some traffic, um, and then it was a matter of what is, you know, what is this thing, right? And again, still not thinking of it as a, as a writing practice, I thought... I thought what I thought was this is how I'm going to get rich and famous. Yeah. Right? This is how I'm going to retire and not have to work anymore. Right. So <laughs> my goal was to be purchased, and uh, and ah. I can tell you there was a so I, I then become as one does right. You become aware of who else is doing the work. Right. So there was a, a girl, I assume it was a girl. I don't really know this. Uh, breakup girl. She was breakupgirl.com. She had a uh, she was partnered with a cartoonist. So her site always looked great because mm -hmm. she had cartoons on it. Right. Well, she got bought by Oprah. Oh, no. The Oprah network bought Breakup Girl, and I'm yeah. like, yes, this yeah. is my moment. And there was another guy, uh, what was his name? He was, before, like, bros were a thing. He was bro. He was a bro, and still is. He's still out there. I don't remember his name here in a minute. So he and I actually had a correspondence. He had a really different kind of advice column. So his was basically, in this environment, it would never it would never fly. A misogyny, maybe his, a little gentle misogyny. More than a little. Ugh. His was basically how to be, like, a super offensive bro and get women. 
Yeah. Oh, is he doing? Is he? Was, is this like the nagging stuff? Uh, the... no, it was. It was. He he managed to stop short of being of being actually offensive. It mostly was just like you know, oh, I'm this like hapless guy who has probably one too many beers and yeah, I like I girls. I it was mostly that. What was his name? His real name was Dave. Was it Ask Dave? No, he was somebody else. Anyway, so there's this you know group yeah. of other yeah, advice it. columnists yeah. out in the world, and we're sort of. So yeah, that guy and I corresponded for a while. Yeah, and we would connect and sometimes share share um, contacts with each other um, and comment on each other's work. I was in print for a little bit. I was in a newspaper in North Carolina, then a newspaper in Massachusetts for about a year each. I attended conferences for the purpose of selling the column to features editors in newspapers and never got anywhere. I had an agent uh, who wanted to help me write a book. So for about a year, so I wrote a book proposal mm -hmm. and she shopped it for a year uh, around editors in New York and copied me on every email she sent. So I got to see a whole long list of rejections, which uh. is, as a writer, an astoundingly yeah. useful thing to hear what editors were really interested in, uh -huh. um, none of which I was able to do, which is fine. So well, what do you mean by that? What would be what? The, what, what, in, what editors wanted. So you may or may not recall, there was a book out, uh, there was literally... There was a single line of dialogue delivered in the series Friends, where someone was talking, I think it was Friends, someone was talking to somebody else, character-wise, and, and it was, why doesn't this guy like me? And the answer was, maybe it was Sex and the City. The answer was, he's just not that into he's you. He's just not that into you. Remember the book? Yeah. Remember the movie? Yeah. From one line of dialogue. That's what they wanted. So, well, what they wanted was something they knew would sell. So this was how the conversation That's went, anything, right? right? It's anything. Yeah. But but what they don't want to do, so they're like, all right, so this guy's got a website. Like, what's his traffic? How many followers does he have? Basically, what they wanted to know was, if we publish this guy's book, how many people can he guarantee will buy it? Yeah. To which I said to this, this agent, um, I got to be honest, if I had a captive audience who I knew was going to buy my book... Why would, why would I, I go need you? you? Yeah. yeah, like why would I need this publisher? And isn't that the crux of the publisher-author dilemma? Right? It is. It's also it's the interesting crux of independent publishing where I work now. That yeah. you know, this yeah. happenstance, right? But, but exactly that. So the publisher wants no risk, and I get it. You know, any any business, they're in business to make money. They want no risk, and so they want to know that if they take on my book, that it's gonna it's gonna be another. He's just not that into you, right? Right, and you couldn't guarantee. I couldn't that. guarantee that, nor could this agent, and so they passed. And frankly, at that point again, I was like, "Why would I do this? Why would I, you know, why would I, why would I give this to you? Right? If I had the ability to make it viable, so I just stopped and decided I would just continue writing it for my own entertainment, which yeah. is what I'd always done. Yeah. And then we did a buddy of mine and I did some stop motion videos. Um, for a bitter single guy, that was really fun, and yeah. there was a cafe press. You could buy things; they're still out there, I think, technically. Uh, yeah. T-shirts and coffee yeah. mugs and, yeah. and hoodies, and I think I'm the only one who has any of those. Well, you once, you know, because we've known each other for a while, Nobody you once made a contribution to, oh yeah, the poetry nonprofit that I was running mm -hmm. for a while. And it came from Bitter Single Guy. Yes. Like the the name it on is. the on my PayPal account. Yeah. 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 Which and what's interesting about that is. Uh, <laughs> you know, I ended up, I have an accountant who helps me with my taxes, especially when I was a consultant, because it was a little baffling to manage it all. So, yeah. you know, this I, this idea that I have this avocation, this side side gig, right? Um, and, and that sometimes money comes in from it, right? Yeah. So I think my biggest year was probably 350 bucks for the year. But I got a thousand bucks from Sony Records what? once. See? You want, you want to hear the story? I do. This, this is your podcast. No, it's actually your podcast, so, technically. So I'm, I'm, an, I'm a very... Um, modest avocational capital a photographer yeah I, and as you know i i'm always doing something so the fact that 
I'm not putting pictures up there should show you that, I, <laughs> that it's, yes. it's a, however, a very close friend of mine, he knew that. And yeah. He said he was a, like a product manager or something at Sony. Yeah. And he said, we have an album coming out and it's a live album of a, of a local Seattle band and we forgot to send a photographer. What? I literally have an album, like a live album. Yeah. And we don't have any pictures of the theater. The, the, we could use stock photos of the band, but that's... But, that's yeah. So, and the name of the album was Live at the Moor. So he said, we'll give you a thousand bucks if you go get pictures of the Moor, but you have to, we can't, like, there's not a concert was, you like, can't six months yes. ago. Like, <laughs> so I took a bunch of pictures of the Moor from the outside. I borrowed someone's really expensive camera. I didn't yes. even have one at the time. Right. And then I, I, I won't say I broke in. Yeah. Because I didn't break anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I certainly but it's was possible. I, I, right, yes. I certainly wasn't invited into the Moore Theater. And yes. I got a bunch of pictures inside That's and outside great. of the Moore Theater and they sent me a thousand dollar check for breaking and entering. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying this online. Probably not. But uh, whatever. We're all good. So yeah, that was my um, that was the most money I ever got. It's, see, that's what I always thought was going to happen. As a random side note, by the way, um, and I still I still hold out for this, but it's never real. Uh, in my opinion, the band Depeche Mode oh, yeah. stole my image for one of their album covers. And I can show it to you, and I will tell you why I think it is why it is my what, image. What's the name of the album? Uh, I don't remember the name of the album, but if you look up Depeche Mode under Images. images. So the bitter single guy it has a sort of silhouette. Okay, let's see. Uh, there it is, that one. This, oh. The bitter single guy is kind of a silhouette stick man that playing uh, the angel that graced you know my column in print and online for 15 years, and the first time I saw that image in a in a record store back when they were record stores still, um, I recognize every angle of every part of that image because I built it. So there's mine. Yeah, you can see, of course. People are listening and not watching, so you can't see what I'm Oh, we're going to post this online. Okay, good. Oh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I believe the Bitter Single Guy image and the Depeche Mode image are the same images. I ended up emailing the the artist. Um, I, I somehow found the name of the artist and emailed him and was like, use uh, my image, and I'm sure I got written off as a crazy person. Yeah. Um, I mean, it looks so like it they took the, uh, the, the blur... Filter on yeah. Photoshop and yeah. did it to your. Well, and it's there's it's made of feathers, and it's also possible <laughs> that I am a not at all a graphic artist, and I made this super simple stick figure, and it, so did they. And it's, uh, it's I'm willing to accept it, but I say out loud that Depeche Mode took my. So you, you moved from you know kind of the, you know then you're now you're writing, yeah. and now all of a sudden. You know, you're writing plays. Uh, you yeah. Know, and I, well, in the middle there was poetry, yep. Oh, yeah. doing a lot of poetry. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. of course. That's how I know you. Yep. Um, and I saw your show, No Strings Attached, last mm. year, which I loved. Thank you very much. Um, and, very proud of that show. You know, what was your, you know, okay, uh, four women, yeah. uh, retirement community age, yeah. 65 plus, presumably. I don't, I, I, characters I, I, are, in fact, all over 70. All, okay, 70 Characters plus. are. The act, actors yeah. were not, but the they characters were younger. are. In fact, one of the women was... Uh, <laughs> Fulsome in her uh, oh, uh, in her attractiveness. Oh, how opinion. funny! Yes, I, I had a I had an old lady crush on one of your, <laughs> and she turned out I think in real life. I think no, I know which one you're talking about. Not to be as old lady. Um, no, you you had you had great actresses, and mm, uh, I did. I guess the premise being what kind of like uh, HIV in the yeah. in the retirement community. Yeah, yeah, more or less. It's it started though. Um, HIV ends up being the 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 STD of choice, so to speak. But um, I, one of the things I learned, and how do you not learn this and just run with it, right? So I learned that there was a retirement community in Florida that was very, very large, and a lot of things that were true about it that are true about retirement communities, 
and also had one of the highest STD rates in the United States. Wow. So I'm like, I want to know a great deal more about this. So I began reading about it. So what's interesting is the at first, the first time I say out loud that there was a retirement community with a high STD rate, there's a chuckle. How can there not be, right? Because because when we, I'm going to say myself, when I think about old people having sex and getting STDs, it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. Awkward and and I want to think about it, and yeah. so I laugh, right? And then a minute after that, it's like, wait a minute. Like, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. what? So it means a lot of things, I think. It means we discount our aging population, and we know that. It means that, um, it just means a zillion things. So I started reading articles and asking questions, and my mom does not live in that community. She lives in a, a different community in Florida. So I started asking her about some of the dynamics and some of the people, and I and the truth is I just fell in love with these characters. Mm -hmm. um, and so, which is always, this is where I, how I fell in love with playwriting, um, is... I started writing, who who are these, like, so what's the scenario? So there's going to be some infidelity, there's going to be um, some kind of STD, you know, all this is going to happen. There's going to be some laughs because, you know, there's a lot there to work with. And then, like, who are these characters? Who are these, in this case, women? I had written and produced a play the year before that was all men, so I felt like this needed to be all women to balance the universe. Um, so uh, who are these women? And I wrote about them and absolutely fell in love with the characters. They're very compelling. And then, which is my favorite part of, do thank you, of doing that work. So then the, the, the next thing that came about and, and the HIV piece that's in there is, you know, a character, the, the, spoiler alert, the, there's a character who um, we learn that she's involved with a man who ends up being tested positive for HIV. Right. And then we learn that she had had HIV, an HIV diagnosis from as much as a year prior. Right. So, there's a, so the, the questions that come to me about that were, A, is she dementia, Alzheimer's, is she losing it? I'm like, what a good question that I don't have an answer for. It's real in that population, so what do you think? The other one, of course, is what are the issues of sexual responsibility in general around a diagnosis of an STD? Mm -hmm. Not, you know, people talk about this in the in the gay male community all the time and have for a long time. It's funny you're going there because that was going to be my next... Well, that's why I, I wanted to say, like, this... So, first of all, I want to explore this issue... It would be super easy to explore this issue with 20-somethings. Super easy, right. right? Really uninteresting. Yeah. I want to explore this issue with 70-somethings. Yeah. Because it's real. Because it's real. Because they're faced with it. It's and happening right yeah, now. Yeah, it's happening right now. And so I don't know how, I don't know what the STD or what the HIV prevalence was as opposed to STDs, frankly, as one, who is it said? Don't let facts get in the way of a good story. Well, it's a MacGuffin, right? It's, it, a, it's a device yes. that, that just moves the plot along. Exactly right? correct. It's the the yeah, bigger yeah. issue is just what do you do in that Yeah, scenario. exactly. And then and this is the, the super fun part about writing plays as opposed to writing poetry, for example, for me, is I get to write these really complex characters mm -hmm. and put them in this situation and then just like ask them, like, all right, my characters are this sort of freewheeling kind of party woman, you know, for the past 50 years, this woman who's recently discovered sort of a sexual awakening and, mm -hmm. and now been diagnosed with HIV, a woman who uh, has a history of having been abused and then unmarried kind of spinster for her life. And then this other woman who sort of plays um, kind of a Greek chorus-ish part. So put them all there in that space and what do they think about yeah. it and how do they react? Yeah. It was so fun. <laughs> and it was fun to watch. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And then get really cool actors to get in there and test my theories and, yeah, and, tell, me what, and really, tell me what they think. Seattle's some really talented actors and actors. We've had a few on. I mean, it's it's, nice. it's actually a rich, it's a, it's a city it very rich in acting talent. It is. And I'll tell you, write a play for people who don't get a lot of stage work, yeah. which is to say women over a certain, a certain age, age yeah. and the talent pool that I had to pull from was crazy.
That's great. Yeah. What do you got coming up? I'm writing a book about key performance indicators, KPIs. <laughs> yeah. So this is for the this is for the day job. No, it's for it 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 came in a response to for the day job day job. It's for me, right? So okay. So I've done all these things, right? And one of the things I've done, you know, and it's what you talked about earlier. Like I I love my job and I love the work I do and I love my creative outlets as well. Early, early in my career, I got to be, um, I worked for a, a public utility in Florida, and I was, I participated in a statistical quality improvement program, right? So I actually worked, I worked for this company that is the first company outside of Japan to win an award called the Deming Prize. And it's uh, a prize awarded by the Union of Japanese Scientists and Engineers for, um, for statistical process control. And so I, Florida Power and Light Company, in 1989 is the first company outside of Japan to ever win that award. And you win that award by having incredibly robust um, statistical processes in place. Across to measure and analyze your business. To measure and analyze yeah. it in theory, in yeah. theory and proof. Um, Six Sigma is built off of oh, the yeah, foundation that's of business, this, right? Yeah. So Six Sigma came later. I see. So all this work ended up being done first. So, I, so I'm at the very, very young age of whatever I was, 22 and get introduced to this methodology and we're in pursuit of this award. So they plucked me out of the meter reader job that I had and said, you're now gonna be part of this quality improvement thing. And I learned statistical process control and I learned sort of uh, methodical uh, problem solving, which, you know, um, six segment, the DMAIC model, design, measure, analy yep. uh, yeah. yeah, whatever it is. Whatever that is. The right. DMAIC yeah. model is based off the same thing, right? So I learned this and, and it resonates with me in a really powerful way. So either I was super malleable at that point, and this is the thing that stuck, or I'm kind of a linear thinking guy and this stuck. But either way, I end up becoming this guy who pays a lot of attention to process measurement and process design. It becomes the core of my work in the world for the next long period of time. And then I study psychology and it looks really different. But I still had this point where I, I believe everyone should have a better and easier approach to how things get measured. It's super nerdy is, and awesome. Is it applicable to, to the creative life as well? Uh, it is. Uh, the truth is that the audience for this book is probably not poets. Yeah. The audience for this book is middle managers in corporate America because <laughs> okay. people, people who are asked about KPIs. And isn't there a poetry to middle management? Is there not? <laughs> um, so it is a book about hopefully presenting this this topic that is often, I think, seen as specialized and, and only accessible to people who think that way for a much broader audience. Okay. And I work in a group that supports independent publishers. And so I, I, on a regular basis, I'm in meetings where we talk about how can we help publishers make more money? Literally, I'm in meetings where we talk about that. Um, and it's not altruistic. If you're a publisher and you make more money, Amazon makes more money too. Yeah. But then I want to write a book and publish it and make more yeah. money. Yeah. I want to, you know, I'm, I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm super lucky, I'm ten years from retirement, yeah. right? So why not write some books that that make money for me in my retirement age? Yeah, yeah. So it may not ever work. Which, but, what that's ten years? Come on, forty, fifty. Well, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't. None of us are that far away. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, we like to end every show. Yeah. With a segment we call, if you care about, yeah, you should mm. fill in the blanks. I'm gonna mix it up a, a, a good bit here. Okay. If you care about, you can ask me about context or not, I'll leave it up to you. If you care about not letting your privilege step on somebody else's neck, hmm. learn about your buttons. Your buttons. Your buttons, your triggers. Learn mm -hmm. about your shit. Learn about your privilege. Yeah. Right? But but more than that, like what like what triggers you? I, I, I've been reacting a lot to the... Dr. Ford, Judge Kavanaugh, yeah. um, hear, uh, hearing, was it a hearing? Investigation, conversation. 
brouhaha. Yeah. Um, and really thinking about the fragility of egos uh -huh. that prevent people from saying, I'm complicit, I'm complicit in this. Yeah. And, be, and, and people, including me, I, yeah. um, and, and I have examples of this, of course, we all do, get blindsided when I don't know my buttons, when I don't know the, uh. the thing that I'm already insecure about, yeah. and it shows up for me, and I get super defensive, like right. Judge Kavanaugh did, yeah. because I don't know how to say you're a valuable human and your experience is valuable and, yeah. it may, and it's not my experience but i value it in you we we don't know how to do that yeah. and, and and increasingly it's getting worse so that would be if you don't want your privilege to to just step all over the people in the world know your shit pay attention that's great i mean it doesn't even have to be in a perfect world it's not even about the Kavanaugh, the, the, the Kavanaugh in us. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's about the, it's about honoring and listening to the Dr. Ford in us. Yes. In, in others. Yes, Right, so you can, you actually can get to a world where, you know, let's say there's a gray area experience. There's going to be. That doesn't mean you're a bad guy. It just means that person felt bad. Right. And I, I, I yeah. it's really interesting to hear you talk about uh, that, like, you have to know your shit so that your shit doesn't. Yeah ruin someone else's day yeah yeah wow. i was an openly gay leader of a children's program in north carolina 25 years ago mm -hmm. it is still not out of the realm of possibility that some adult now child from that time will recall that i did something wrong yeah i know myself really well i didn't do anything wrong the burden of proof will be on me be as it you. very often is yeah. and openly gay in the south 25 yeah. years ago yeah. so i've thought about this a lot yeah. for a long time yeah. and and I believe I know my buttons pretty well. Yeah, so yeah. that's the thing. Wow. Know your buttons. Hey, Greg. Greg B., thank you for being on the show. My pleasure, Ian. It was really super fun. Talk to you soon. Yeah, indeed. Thanks. It's that time again. Soup sessions with Doug Abbott. My lovely wife, Michelle, made us some uh, chicken dumpling soup. It was pretty good, wasn't it? It was delicious. And now we're going to get together and solve the world's problems. Doug, what do you got? So I want to talk about a very uh, common topic today, trolling. My favorite thing to do, just kidding, trolling is the worst thing in the world. Trolling used to kind of be funny when only Sasha Baron Cohen was doing it. Not really funny anymore. Not right. that everyone's doing because it. Because every idiot thinks that they're <laughs> smarter than everyone else, and it really is just creating a bunch of dissonance and no one knows what's true anymore, and people are just all assholes. Indeed. So, so you know, I think people in general, like, know the point of trolling is to piss you off. And it still kind of works, but... I was watching, or I, I read an article uh, in the Atlantic a little while back called, and I thought it really, like, this, the headline of the article really crystallized it the best way I've seen it. Mm -hmm. And it was called, The Cruelty is the Point. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. That's a little bit about kind of President Crybaby. Right, yeah. right. President Crybaby and his policies and, and everything. The Cruelty is the Point. And, and I think that really kind of helps helps crystallize it. But I think as we try and deal with kind of the non-presidential trolls, just the online trolls who are, yeah. you know, talking shit all the time yeah. and whatnot. I think there's a way that if we all start doing this, we can make them go away. Let's, and let's we all need to have the exact same common response, no matter how offensive and how annoying and how 
terrible the things they're saying are because it doesn't matter what they say, right? It's like this they, is they don't I'm... even care what they say. Exactly. The yeah. It's it's like with President Crybaby. I don't care what he says. I care about his actions. Right. Right. So, I think going forward, we all just need to respond to every troll online and say, "Cool story, bro." <laughs> cool story, bro. But it's already there. So you're just saying it has to get wider. We need advocacy. Exactly. We need everyone saying cool story bro to any piece of trolling i will also accept one k like as k K. (laughs) (laughs) got it got it so what we need it feels like what you're pushing because i've seen that before but it seems like what you're pushing for is like we need this broadly across the the universe of online interaction maybe like shepherd fairy does a campaign, like, cool story, bro. Yeah. With a picture of Hemingway, but it's in, like, Tritone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of ways to go about it, but ultimately, I feel like cool story, bro, and K are the two kind of most disrespectful things you could say to someone trying to make a, a point to you. Yeah. So I think just, you know, match the disrespect level, and it won't become fun for the trolls. Right. There'll be nothing to fight back. Against. Yeah. Because they're not even getting unique responses at that point. All right. I love it. Every time someone tells me that my show only has 10 listeners, I'm going to write, cool story, bro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's I mean, they'll fun. be right. They'll be right. But... <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Great idea, bro. <laughs> cool idea, bro. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And that's enough for the giggles. That was Greg Brissendine. Check him out wherever you check out some of this community's finest theater and performance poetry. He's doing both. Uh, Yeah, just support the arts. Man, just support the arts. You're going to learn a lot more doing that than playing Xbox. Also, check out Doug's startup company. If you're interested in small business SEO, My favorite. check out our sponsor, Horizon Books. If you're interested in used books, give Travis, who we might often call Naboo on this show, a pat on the back for doing the sound. And go look up the Subcons, who produced all of this episode's music. As always, I'm your host, Ian Martinez, and we'll see you next week.